When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast coming to you guys. I suppose hot in the heels of, an, of a podcast we did very ridiculously early this morning, myself and Paddy. Um, and the Brentford game. And we did speak a small bit about Philip Coutinho. And uh, lo and behold, we get some messages and some some tweets from some very, very uh, influential people that said Philip Coutinho is in advanced conversations with Aston Villa and his agents are in advanced conversations with the club also. Um, this has been mentioned by people like uh, Fabrizio Romano and others, and there's been other people who've come out. I think um, uh, there's there's been a couple of publications that have mentioned this as well. So it seems to be gathering speed very, very quickly. Well, Romano does say that it is not a done deal just yet. Um, other... Uh, other, I, I suppose, um, uh, reputable outfits like Dario Sport are saying that it is more or less a done deal um, and it will be an, a loan option with an option to buy in the summer as well. There are other people here, I'm just looking through my uh, my timeline here, that have mentioned this, um, you know, uh, that, that this is an, an actual thing. It is uh, Jared Romero as well from the uh, Sport from Sport Witness has said that it is very much a thing and that it was actually instigated by Stephen Gerrard who made the phone call himself. Um, also, we have uh, Sarah Escrew as well. I'm not too familiar with her, but from for, Sport Witness who says that this is a more or less a done deal. It should be done within the next few days as well. And you also have Matteo Moreto uh, as well who is who, who says that this is uh, something that is progressing. So it's built up a bit of steam, a bit of head of steam over the last few hours, should I say. So I wanted to come on and do a little bit of a video on Philip Coutinho. And in the previous piece, 
this morning I had mentioned I didn't want to do a video on this, but I had already got one already in the bag and I was going to release it at some stage, but I wasn't quite sure when I was going to release it. So no time like the present when uh, this um, has, has come up and it is in conversation among a wider group of, of journalists. Um, some of you, before I do look at this, but some of you may remember uh, that this isn't the first time that Philip Coutinho has been linked with Aston Villa Football Club. Um he was Villa were linked with signing him when he was a peripheral player at Inter back in 2012. And ultimately he didn't join Aston Villa in the January of 2013 and he joined Liverpool instead. And if I'm not mistaken, Aston Villa signed Robbie Keane on loan um, in his stead. But uh, Philip Coutinho obviously went to Liverpool and and became a you know a very valued member of that Liverpool team. And he was uh, he was you know, people were really um were uh, really lamenting him leaving the the club at the time, and uh, he, he, you know, he moved on to 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 Barcelona, and he's been out and loan at Bayern Munich, and things really haven't gone for him in, uh, gone as well in Spain or in Germany, and I think that that's why he's probably longing for a move back to the Premier League. Um, other outlets are also saying at the moment there's the, anywhere between three and five teams that are vying for his signature within the Premier League. But it's interesting that some other outlets are saying it's further along the line for Aston Villa. So while, I'm, while we are doing this video and nothing has been announced just yet, um, it may not even come to come to fruition just yet, as I say, because the opportunity to be the gazumped is always there. And uh, I think, to be honest with you, that... Bar or the Barcelona are going to take the biggest money or the biggest offer or the best offer for them, considering their financial woes. So let's just see, I suppose, what pans out from this. But it doesn't stop us from at least having a little gander at what he could be for Aston Villa Football Club. So let's take a look at some statistics that I have I've looked at for uh for Coutinho. So here are some of the statistics I. Ca <laughs> Where do I think Philip Coutinho is going to fit in with this Aston Villa team? Should he should he sign? Um, it's interesting because when people talk about Coutinho, they say, oh, he's a central attacking midfielder in the main. Uh, he plays behind the front two. He can play in that little hole position. And it's interesting. If we look there on the, on the left-hand side, we can see the amount of minutes he's played. The amount of minutes that I've put in here are specifically the minutes he's played in these positions since he's moved to Europe. Um, he's 29 years of age as... Uh, as I'd just like to mention as well, uh, but I don't think that that's going to be a factor. I think that Stephen Gerrard is probably looking for a small, a bit more uh, leadership, more experience up there. Uh, we do have the young kids. I don't think someone like Coutinho is going to stifle one of the kids coming through uh, because of the position he's going to play. But it's really interesting to see where he's played most of his time. Um, as for who scored, he's played most of his time out, more so predominantly on the left-hand side, i.e. a... A Jack Grealish replacement, a kind of a central attacking midfielder, left-hand sided uh, midfielder, and you can see there he's played eleven thousand one hundred and fifteen minutes, and more more favouring the left-hand side. He's played down through the centre five thousand nine hundred sixty-nine minutes, and he's played actually as a more withdrawn central midfielder three thousand three hundred ninety-five minutes. Somewhere I don't ever envisage him playing for Aston Villa at all. I mentioned uh, I've mentioned before that I think that Steven Gerrard, like like if I was over the team. And an opportunity came up to sign Philip Coutinho, I, I would sign him. I think you'd be mad not to sign him for Aston Villa. But if I had to preference it and if I had to put a, if I had to prioritize a position, I would be just as comfortable moving John McGinn a small bit further forward, playing that, playing the position that Philip Coutinho potentially would be, would be signed to play in. 
and, uh, and, and sign a defensive midfielder. But what I think that Steven Gerrard will see in Philip Coutinho is, and, and that's why I've picked these statistics. I haven't just cherry-picked these best statistics. I've picked, basically, it's, it's very difficult to find a statistic that isn't really good with Philip Coutinho other than his assists. He hasn't had any... Uh, he hasn't had an awful lot of assists in his last uh, 365 days. All these statistics that you see here, once again, they are based on his statistics for the last 365 days. They are an average over over uh, a 90-minute period. And they're also, you'll see the bars on the right-hand side, are uh, dictate the percentile that he falls into within the top five leagues within Europe. Um, when Philip Coutinho does sign for Aston Villa, I think what he will do is he will give them more of a... Um, not even a threat in the in the final third, but what he will give them is he'll give them more of a foothold in the final third. And what I mean by that is that when the ball is played into him, he's very good at holding the ball. He knows how to play in this league. And what he's also very good at doing is he's very good at passing under pressure, as we will see here. And he passes a lot of his balls into the attacking third or into the final third, that should really say. So what he's what he does is we need to play through the middle a small little bit more. And we need to try and be more creative through the middle as opposed to wanting to get it to the wings to cross the ball in. It's something that I've been, it's been a bugbearer about Aston Villa for quite a while for me that playing through the middle becomes non-existent. While Philip Coutinho does start out on the left-hand side, I think that that's predominantly where he will be brought in into play is to bring our play more into the middle, to be able to receive the ball there and to get a, a bit more of a direct attack uh, and a quicker attack when we do get it into the final third. Um, it will also allow us, and this may sound hypocritical, but when you look at the semantics of the words I'm using, we'll have a quicker attack when we get the ball into the, into the final third, but also what it will allow us to do is to work the ball into the final third as well an awful lot better because he is a bit of, um, he's not a bit of, he's a very, very good kind of uh, skeleton key up there whereby he's got a bit of unpredictability, but he's also got that, uh, that nous whereby, um, you can say what you like about him. Maybe his goal return since he's left the Premier League or maybe his his assist return since he's left the Premier League hasn't been great, but his all-around play has been pretty decent, specifically in attacking terms. I'm not going to say he's going to be the all-encompassing uh, player because obviously he's not. He does have his frailties. I haven't included them here um, realist because I don't think that we're going to see him defend an awful lot. He's about as useful in defence as... I would be if I was playing the Premier League. So we're not going to see things from him that maybe we would see from somebody I've, that I have, um, somebody that I've compared him to in Emi Buendia. So I want to show you the difference in between the two types of players and what is what and who who how the two are going to work potentially work together behind that 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 central striker. So let's take a look at these statistics for Philip Coutinho. So with regards to touches in ninety minutes. Um, he's coming in the 99th percentile, so he's one. He has one of the most touches of any uh, winger slash attacking midfielder within uh, within the top five leagues in Europe. So that's fantastic. We need somebody who we can give a heavy workload to, like we did with Jack Grealish. We need someone we can give a heavy workload to, and that does it well and is able to complement that workload with output and and, and ability. 
Um, you'll see there. I mentioned that you know he's he's only in the top twelve. He's in the twelfth percentile of the of the touches in the defensive third. He's not going to bust a nut, come back in and uh, bust a gut. Sorry, because I know people will will have a good laugh at that. But he's not going to do it to get back into the to the defensive third, as we can see there. He's only fall, falls into the twelfth percentile. Although while he does pick it up in the midfield third and the attacking third, he does get tons and tons of touches. So as I said, being a metronome. Being an outlet for the ball, being a, being a workhorse in touches of the ball and possession of the ball. If Aston Villa are going to keep possession of the ball, they're going to need somebody like Philip Coutinho. And if Steven Gerrard is going to keep is going to want to do what he said when he first came into the club, i.e., keep possession of the ball really well, this is a type of player that he will need. Also, his dribble attempts are, are are up there as well. He he's quite good uh, carrier of the ball, and and not just his attempts, but his his success rate is within the ninety fifth percentile, sixty seven point nine percent, and his carrying distance is in the ninety third percentile. So that's his progressive carrying distance. So that's the the carrying distance forward. We for want of a better word is one hundred and seventy seventy one point zero six meters. Um, he averages per 90 minutes 10.26 progressive carries, which is uh, carrying the ball forward more than 10 meters. He, he, um, he averages that per game, and that comes in within the 97th percentile as well. Um, also, once again, I'm focusing on these carries into the attacking third. I'm focusing on what he's going to bring us to show how good he is within the top five leagues. And I'm also going to talk about a small bit of context again after this as well. But carries into the attacking third, 3.96. Once again, that's per 90 minutes. And that's in the top 99 percentile, one of the best in, the, in, in Europe at it. And also progressive passes. They are passes that will go forward more than 10 yards into the attacking stream. So it doesn't take into account a 40-yard lump forward from defence. He's in the top 94% in percentile in that, and he he averages 9.67 of those per game. So some really good possession statistics and how he likes to, to, to utilise the ball and use the ball. And look, there's a lot of green in there, and there's a lot of nines at the start of the percentiles there. Um, his passing statistics, his, uh, he, his pass completion and his pass attempted, I think just on a rough look at that, I would say he probably completes about 88% of his of his passes. But he, he, as I said, he's a workhorse for his position, 90, uh, 96% percentile in the amount attempted, 98% percentile in the amount of passes completed. Um, we see that he doesn't like to try an awful lot of true balls. This is something that caught me by surprise. I didn't think that this would be the case with Philip Coutinho. I thought that he would be a martyr for a slide rule pass. But it doesn't seem to be the case. And I thought it was worth highlighting because it was so, it was so mad to me that that, that he doesn't like to play true balls or he isn't tasked, he hasn't been over the last 365 days tasked to playing true balls. Um, very much plays an awful lot of low passes, which is to be expected coming from the Bayern and the, the Barcelona uh, camps. Um, his crossing as well, he doesn't tend to just balloon the ball and cross it on a 34th percentile. He only attempts 1.61 per, per 90 minutes. Uh, in the crossing stakes, which I'm going to love because I'm really, really frustrated with us crossing the ball at the moment. So if we can get that ball into a bit, it, it work it through the center. And this is why I think that, uh, this is why I prefaced these statistics with that with that possession-based piece that, that Stephen Jarrett is going to bring. And also holding the ball uh, in, the, in the attacking third, I think is going to be really important. And that brings me on to my next piece here as well. His passes under pressure, 836 I, I actually thought it'd be higher, but it's 79th percentile. It's still an awful lot of passes under pressure. 
And what I what I garner from this, and I could be 100% wrong. So the passes you dash pressure there is passes under pressure. So what I garner from this, and as I say, I could be really, really wrong, is that judging by his heat map, which we can see on the right-hand side just above there, when he's under pressure, he's at the edge of the area or he's picking up the ball in that attacking third or even in the middle third. He's get, he's under pressure more because people are obviously you know, targeting him, dictating, trying to make sure he doesn't dictate the play. But he's getting those passes away because he's obviously passing 8.36 per 90 minutes. So this is something that's really exciting to me because we are when we are under pressure, when we're playing the likes of, when we played Watford the first game of the season, we were hounded in midfield. When we play, um, to a lesser degree, when we play Brentford during, last, last weekend, we were hounded in midfield. When we play teams that are hard to break down, instead of crossing the ball and maybe maybe looking to to a point of luck, we should be signed for Coutinho because there's nothing done now. You know, having somebody that the team has to worry about can open up other areas of the field. Even when we go, even if you know we have those two games against Stamford, against uh, Chelsea back again, they didn't really have to worry about our midfield an awful lot, but. Having somebody like a Philip Coutinho in there brings back the situation we had when we had a Jack Grealish where people had this specifically game plan to keep him busy. Potentially, Philip Coutinho will be something like that as well were he to sign. So this is all just me trying to figure out what his, what his skill set and his good points, how they will fit into a Steven Gerrard um, game plan. And to be honest with you, it looks like somebody that, that Steven Gerrard would, would thrive on in previous episodes, I spoke about do I do I think we need him? I, I I I thought we needed a player like him. I just never thought someone like Philip Coutinho would come. I think that this will be a would be a very good signing if it does happen in conjunction with another brick house of a midfielder that would come in to to anchor the the base of our midfield too as well. Because somebody like Philip Coutinho, what we're going to really gain in the attacking sense, we're not going to have in that. Let's call it. If you were going to play him, play him, uh, you, you know, we're not going to have a lot of back tracking back or defensive abilities. So I still think we need to upgrade our defense, or not our defense, our defensive midfield capabilities, even if we bring in a Philip Coutinho who would play more to the left hand side. So, what does that mean for some of the players that we have at the moment? In my last video that I did on Nicholas Tagliafico, I was asked to, and it was a really, really great call, and I'm delighted I was asked, was, how do these players that we're being linked with stack up against current Aston Villa players? Immediately, the first person that came to my mind, obviously, Philip Coutinho would be playing instead of somebody. I think that he would be playing probably instead of someone like Burton Traoria. I didn't want to put him up there. I think they're apples for oranges comparison. But the first person that came into mind was Enemy Buendia. Could he play with him in those that double 10 role that, that Steven Gerrard likes to play? And I wanted to see what the two of them look like in comparison because I've no doubt that this would be met with but sure why would we sign him because we have Amy Duendia already so let's take a little look this is an apples for apples comparison what I've done here is I have put two uh the comparisons side by side for I suppose the purposes of what's the word I'm looking for to, to make sure that the, the there was an apples for apples argument here. These are both statistics based on the last 365 days. I am 100% conscious as well that some of these are 
uh, are number statistics based on the amount of passes that they've had and a high number uh, value and so on. And while Emi Buendia is lower in some areas, don't let this make you think that Emi Buendia is a bad player. Reason being is that Emi Buendia has only played X amount of games in the Premier League over the last 365 days. So I wanted to keep it as, as uh, I suppose, as, as familiar as possible between the two. Um, still, this is based on what their output per 90 minutes. So a lot of these numbers aren't skewed, but I just don't want people to look at this and, and, and immediately think, oh, he's saying Emi Buendi is a bad player or Emi Buendi is a bad player based on what this is saying. It absolutely isn't. Um, they're both played in two completely different systems. Obviously, the possession-based system of Barcelona and of Bayern Munich that Philip Coutinho has played for in the last 365, 365 days. As opposed to Emi Buendia, where we don't have as much possession. Buendia has been in and out of the team. He's had less games. But it just it, it, it's a good little piece to show where they bring their value and what they actually what, what they're both tasked with doing because they're not they're not being asked to do similar things um at the moment, but they may be asked to do some similar things or may even allow Emi Buendia to do better things under Steven Gerrard should somebody like Philip Coutinho sign. There's my terms and conditions on this one as well. But as we can see there, and it's not, as I said, it's not a denigration of Emi Buendia, but bar the defensive touches and the true balls, sorry, bar the touches and the defensive third and the true balls, um, Philip Coutinho is a much more composed player. He puts out a, a higher statistical output than uh, Emi Buendia based on, you know, the his he, you know his past success rate, his dribble success rate, the touches he has in the middle third, the touches he has in the attacking third. Now, Granted as well that the fact that Emi Buendia has more touches in the defensive third and less touches overall, obviously he's going to have less touches in the middle third and the attacking third as well, just by dint of counting and numbers. But um, it just goes to show that Emi Buendia has been tasked an awful lot more with the with defensive work and, and having to utilise the defensive side of his work. So... Should Steven Gerrard bring in somebody like Philip Coutinho, he may ha we may see an increase in his touches in the defensive third and he may be asked to do a lot more, which is interesting and something I will need to look back on more to see what he was asked to do with for Liverpool, what he was asked to do for Liverpool and see was that something that he was uh, he was he was tasked with. Um when I look at carrying statistics and the dribble the dribble attempts, I was very um and even the success rate, I, I was kind of blown away at how low they were when, when, when we talk about Amy Buendia. Granted, the attempts um, that, that Buendia has had less games and, and the overall carrying distance and the progressive carries don't take those into, in, into account for the simple fact that they are an overall number. But the, there's, the progressive passing piece was one that was big for me and it shows the, the difference between, or the not the gulf, that's that's unfair to say because Emi Buendia is, is still quite a very, very good player, but it shows the difference between a player who is able to tread the needle and one who's maybe struggling to do do so so far. We've seen that Emi Buendia can do it with his goal, goal when he passed the ball into Danny Ings um, and to have a double... Uh, I, I suppose a dual threat with regards to being able to do that um, could be very, very, very profitable for this Aston for the team. Um, so it's 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 just an interesting one. But the big thing I wanted to draw here is that these two guys I don't think are going to be competing for a position. I think if anything, they're going to play alongside each other. Emi Buendia favours the right-hand side over his career in England. He's favoured playing in the attacking midfielder right position. He's played 101 games there, 8,390 minutes. Um, whereas Philip Coutinho, as we've mentioned previously, has played in 
the on the attacking midfielder left position or favors the left hand side coming from an inter a, a, a more central position. So there is a complement there for the two of them to be able to be, play behind the central striker and something that I think would like. Come on, when when have Aston Villa ever had two South South American uh, South American dynamos playing uh, in the attack for them before? It's 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 never happened. So it, it would be something exciting to see here, and their skill sets would complement each other. Um, the one thing for me, though, I would imagine is that uh, Emi Buendia would would obviously be he's still tasked with his defensive duties he's doing at the moment, and Philip Coutinho even more so. And can they co- coexist like this unless we get more reinforcements in central midfield to help them to basically allow them to flourish and be less uh, less uh, reliant on them from a defensive point of view? But it's an interesting piece. I don't want anybody to take this away that I'm having a go at Emi Buendia. I'm absolutely not. This is more to highlight the good things that Philip Coutinho does and the fact that he is still a player. Granted that he hasn't had the success he had at Liverpool, but but he's still a player that is at the top of his game when it comes to the day-in, day-out work that he does in possession and in passing. And somebody that should he join Aston Villa Football Club absolutely has a role and absolutely has a very, very high workload that we can give him and that he can uh, provide us, should I say, with uh, with hopefully um, a more coherent attack uh, when we do bring it forward. What it means for Leon Bailey, that's one for an absolute other podcast should he sign. But Philip Coutinho, exciting, exciting player that's been... Um, it's been linked. Hopefully, this does come true in in the future because I think it's a Rasmataz signing, and it is uh, the fact that he's a known entity within the league and that he's known to be creative is something that Aston Villa will cry out for. So, once again, everybody, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be releasing a couple of more of these over the coming days. I've said it before, Aaron Hickey. We will have one on, on Aaron Hickey, a short one. Also, somebody like an Ariel Romeo, somebody we've been we've been um, linked with also. We will have those coming out over the weekend. Please like this stream. Please subscribe to the podcast if you do if you do like so if, if you do like what, what we've done here. But most of all, we'll catch you later on. We'll catch you with more of these podcasts. But uh, all that's left to say. Is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.